Welcome to A Moment of Bach, where we take our favorite moments from the composer's vast musical output, just a few minutes worth or even just a few seconds, and show you why we think that they are remarkable. We are your hosts, Alex and Christian Giebert. And today's moment is from BWV 61, the cantata Nun kommt der Heiden Heiland. So, Christian, why this moment? Well, there are a few reasons, but the first one I'll say is that we're recording this during the church season of Advent. This is a church cantata, meaning that it is a composition made for voices to sing to, with instrumental parts as well, that was written for this particular Sunday, which would fall right around, in a typical year, right around the beginning of December. And that Sunday... uh, begins the season of Advent. And Advent in the church year, that's the very beginning of the church year. You got to go into church seasons a little bit when you talk about J.S. Bach's sacred music because he was a church musician for so much of his life. And the short story is that the church of his day was separated into seasons where they celebrated different parts of the Bible and things like that and the life of Jesus Christ and stuff like that. And so this was very important uh, to Bach, and it still is to a lot of churches today. And we, we can recognize this, like Christmas is always at a certain time. Easter is always at a certain time every year. And that's how it was with him too, but there were a lot more little things that he dealt with as well. But the church year begins in Advent. Advent is the time before Christmas. The point of Advent is to sort of prepare the heart for Jesus Christ to come into the world. Christmas is when Christ was born, but it's also... Like, theologically speaking, it's also when Christ came to earth. So, Advent is the time before to get ready. It's a time to think about that it says in the Bible that Christ would come again for a second time. So, there's a lot going on theologically that Bach was aware of and that he weaved into it, Advent cantata. And so, I chose um, this cantata. Another reason, actually, is that the Netherlands Bach Society just dropped a recording recently Uh, They'd already recorded another Bach cantata by the same name that Bach wrote on the same tune, Nun kommt der Heidenheiland, BWV 62. But today we're talking about the one that he wrote first in the year 1714. Bach wrote these cantatas for church services. They were um, intended to go along with the sermon that the pastor was preaching on that day. And the first Sunday of Ammit was kind of notable because after it, they actually observed a period of silence where they didn't have music, instrumental music, in the church for a while until Christmas. And some people who are in certain church traditions today also do this at Lent. Some people like no piano music during Lent, choral music only. Some people have their own peculiar rules about, about that. And so once this cantata ended, there was to be no more cantata music until Christmas. So there is a particular moment in this cantata that really draws me in. It's the one that we heard up at the top of the episode, and we're going to get there. But just to set the scene just a little bit, in the first movement, it's the opening of the cantata. You get to hear the tune, Nun kommt der Heidenheiland. And we know it today in the church as Savior of the Nations Come. It is an Advent tune. It goes like this. (laughs) 
in fact, to make it work for Bach, he altered one of the notes in this composition. Which is great because you get a really crunchy interval there. Which is really lovely. opening is also very regal and like a fanfare and it's written in what we would call the french overture style but um but um but um but um almost like someone's entering on a horse or something but what's really happening like biblically for bach and during his church services that jesus enters there's a passage in the bible where jesus enters on a donkey and that's kind of what's happening here. There is a theme throughout scripture that Bach took advantage of musically, where Christ is a king. He is a, like a regal royal person, but he wasn't treated that way. And the problem is that some people didn't recognize him as such. And also some people thought he was actually going to be like a military type of king. And he wasn't even into that. He just wanted to be, he's like, I'm not the king of the earth and the king of heaven. So Bach often wove this into the music by giving Christ this, like, royal theme. It's a fantastic cantata opening. I also It also has the, the German word Geburt in it, which sounds like our last name. <laughs> and it's actually almost our last name. I thought it was the reason why... I thought it was the source of our last name, but it's, I don't think it is. I think our name is French. cantata ends at the very end of the cantata ends on a joyful high note in the violin it's way up here it's a super high note it's a high g you almost never see bach write this high note for the violin but then you have to remember that it was like the very last thing that they would hear until christmas so that note had to get them through a couple of weeks <laughs> And even with all that said, I'd still like to focus on something in the middle of the cantata. And it's what you heard up top, the recitative in the middle that a bass soloist sings. This is a part of a cantata that Bach liked to do, a little connecting section, where a person, a soloist, is allowed to recite words, and it was something that Bach learned from Italian opera. In the middle of his life, he got really interested in opera, and he incorporated recitatives into his, mu into his music, into his cantatas, and all kinds of other things, too. And what's really interesting about this is it almost seems like a recitative shouldn't be really remarkable. It should just be something that gets you from point A to point B. There's more interesting things before it and after it. There's big, triumphant choruses or emotional arias, solos, that the singers love to sing. But this is just something in between. But what makes it interesting is Bach's use of painting the text here with his music. This recitative has the title of Zia which means, look or behold, I stand. He took this straight out of the Bible. Sometimes he used poetry, sometimes he uses hymn texts. But this, this is actually just from Revelation. So it's Jesus Christ is speaking during this recitative. It's Revelation 3.20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to him and eat with him and he with me. So that's actually an Advent theme. It's not just be nice when someone comes to your door and offer them dinner. It's 
let Jesus into your life sort of theme. So we've heard a bunch of stuff. We've heard Savior of the Nations come. By the way, that's a hymn tune that was written by Martin Luther, and Bach was Lutheran and writing these for Lutheran services, so he knew that. And now we get to hear, Behold, I stand at the door. The voice of Christ sings this. The bass is Jesus here. And actually, Bach liked to do that a lot in his cantatas and other things like oratorios. A lot of times the bass is Jesus. And we call it the, the Vox Christi. The bass is speaking as Jesus. But all this said, the reason why I wanted to do this today was because of this chord. And that, by itself... Not very remarkable, but this is the first thing you hear. It's very strange. Sort of got this chord up here, which on its own is okay, and then this bass note, which clashes with it. And in music, this would have been no big deal, right in the middle of other things, right? Something like this. But what happens is Bach suddenly calls for the string players to pluck their instruments, which is already very unusual. And they do this, this short little note. And then the bass says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And so that's the real thing that's happening here. This recitative is Jesus knocking. And there are a couple of really great moments in here. He says, I stand at the door and knock. And when he knocks, he has this knocking motif that you hear him say. Bach treats the text pretty freely and repeats a couple of words when he needs to. He repeats the words and knock and knock at the door. And then a great thing happens on the word hear. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door. Bach makes that word hear occur when the bass note, the lowest note we hear in the music, finally changes. We're getting a lot of this happening. And we're all staying the same for a while. And then finally we get... on the word here, as if we on the other side of the door heard Jesus on the other side. It's pretty remarkable. And last thing I'll say is that at the end, I also love how we get a little diverted at the end. We have, I will come to him and eat with him and he with me. And everything's all done. Should be all done. But it doesn't. It goes. Somewhere else. But then finally. And finally it ends. So it's a great little bit of musical deception as well. Yeah, I 
That's really cool. The first time I heard this at the beginning of that recitative, I, I think you were there when you saw me do this, Christian. And then I was just like, whoa, what? Like, you just get used to so many sonorities when you listen to music by Bach and other composers, and he can still surprise you. And that's what I love about it. The beginning of that just really surprised me. And to your point about the, the plucking of the strings, I mean, it kind of reminds me of handbells. So I'm a, well, we both are, a handbell conductor and composers. And handbells being a little more of, of a church instrument in the U.S., and that's a huge broad statement that well, it's going to get me in trouble for saying, because it's not always true, of course, but um, most mostly a church instrument as of now. And we we saw in the handbell world, music start to sort of, in, in the U.S. at least, music start to um, not really use any of these different techniques either until the other stuff had been established. So kind of like with Bach, when he would suddenly do this pluck which we're now used to hearing that kind of sound from strings. Like, we've heard that a lot now, but back in the day, it would have been a little weird. Same thing with bells, but in a much newer context. Once you hit maybe the 1990s here in the U.S., you started hearing more instrument, more bells playing more uh, techniques, like plucking or martellato, which is where you thump the bell down onto the foam pad. And all of a sudden we realized, hey, these instruments can do way more than what we thought they could do. And there's just this lovely, playful sense of experimentation with Bach in this way, not just with the plucking, but with the ideas that he had brought to all this music, thinking, hey, you know what, I can do all these different sonorities uh, that, uh, you know, sounds, chords, etc. And he was so good at counterpoint, like we talked about in the last uh, last episode. But he just took all of his skill, and he did not, even though he respected the old style, like we talked about in the last episode, he did not stick to it. And he had all these ideas and he just implemented them because he had so much opportunity to do so. Um, it's just, it's really inspiring for people who are composers. Right. He experimented so much, especially for a person who we don't think of as ushering in an innovative new era. A lot of, a lot of times we think of Bach as being the perfecter of an era, not so much the innovator into a new era like we would associate with some other composers and musicians. But in fact, he was like really experimental. And it's so strange for the first thing you hear after some silence to be this. Because that's not that's not how music is supposed to start in, <laughs> in 1700s. Music is supposed to start like this. And then you could do other things after that. Yeah, and the idea of that bass note staying put on this note the whole time was not weird. But it's the idea, like you said, Christian, it's the idea of starting on that. That chord that's not where you expect it to start. The chord's out of the key. Right, and it's the knocking. Christ is knocking at your door. But also, it's to get your attention. If it started like this, this sounds like maybe somebody walking down the street or something. But this is like there's somebody at my door. It requires a follow-up action. When you hear someone knocking at your door, that is, that's an open-ended situation, and it requires a second thing to happen. And... It's such good text painting. Behold, I'm Jesus. I'm at your door. I'm about to come into the world. What are you going to do about it? Okay. Well, now that we've talked about it, here is this moment. Oh. Uh-huh. 
If this introduction to this musical moment has inspired you to hear the rest of the piece, please see the link in the episode description so you can see the performance of BWV 61, Nun kommt der Heiden Highland Cantata, by the Netherlands Bach Society. Do you want to hear our new episodes as we release them? Find us on your podcast app and hit subscribe. Well, thank you for listening. Episode 3 is next. Alex, what are we going to look at for episode 3? We are going to hear the cantata Wacket Auf, uh, BWV 140, and we're going to look at the opening chorus. Yes. Until next time, enjoy those moments. <laughs>